This message was presented at the GYC 2012 conference in Seattle, Washington. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. Oh, this is our final presentation. Um, and it is entitled The Code of Conduct. And uh, before we get into this, uh, let us just bow our heads for another added word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you have been caring for us, you've been wooing us to your side, and that you continue to bring us and put our feet in your paths of righteousness. And Lord, as we come to the end of this seminar, we still pray for a double portion of your Holy Spirit, and that we may be filled and empowered to do the work that you have called us to do in these last days, and that your character will continue to flow out of our lives as we surrender and allow you to work. Bless us and bless each one here is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. The Code of Conduct. This presentation is pretty much, in some ways, a repetition and a combination of everything that we've been talking about so far. Uh, We've spent some time looking at our personal conversion, and then we looked at how God equips us through the talents. And then in our last presentation, we saw that God uh, has given us some principles in how to reach people and how to be a sensitive seeker. And we saw those principles drawn out in the three parables in Luke 15. And the reason why I've called this presentation the Code of Conduct is because we found a very interesting Actually, my wife found an interesting definition to this phrase, code of conduct. It is a set of rules or principles outlining the responsibilities of or proper practices for an individual or an organization. So it is the set of practices or principles that one lives by. It's a routine exercise from day to day. And I believe in closing everything that we've been talking about, conversion, this is what conversion is all about. It's conversion, my own, and the conversion of others should be my code of conduct. Amen? Because that's what Christ has done for me. He has saturated His life. His mission and purpose is to save me and to save others, and that should be my code of conduct as well. And so today... In this specific presentation, we're going to be addressing the go part of conversion. We talked about my own around me, and how do I make this on the go? Um, We live in a very fast-paced society. Things are in and out. There's drive-throughs. I've even heard of drive-through churches. that You can come and drive in, listen to the sermon, and drive out. Everything is on the go. We want it now, fast. And sometimes when it comes to conversion... There is a tendency to do really quick in and out with God. But is that enough? I would like to start off by looking at a very important principle that you are all familiar with. It is even a scripture song. And it is found in Matthew chapter 6 verse 33. No matter what we are doing, no matter what our careers may be, no matter what our lives will look like, I don't care if we're in America, in Africa, in Asia, or wherever we are at, there's an important principle that Jesus taught, and look at what He says, but do what? Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and His righteousness, and all this shall be added unto you. And if you read the context of Matthew chapter 6, it lists about being worried for the things that you're going to eat and the clothes that you're going to wear and those type of things, the everyday life things, decisions that you and I have to make. But Jesus says, even though we may be going through a busy life, though we live in a very secular world, that we need to seek the kingdom of God first. Our first priority in everything that we do. No matter if we are making a decision even of what we're eating, everything. And you say, but isn't that a little too much? Really? Why is it too much? God has given everything for me, and since I know in conversion that my experience is to allow God to speak to my higher powers and to allow 
Him to control my passions and desires, why not ask the Lord for every decision? Everything in life must be centered around seeking the kingdom of God first. So no matter what you're doing, whether you're a doctor, whether you're an engineer, whether you're an IT person, make sure that you start your day first with God. There's a tendency to rush through life, and even as a Bible worker, I must say there are days that I have failed to put God first. And you may say, but how do you fail? You, you give Bible studies. It's not enough for me just to share. God has to speak to my own heart. I have to have that personal experience. And so God wants us to start the day with Him. If you turn with me to the book of Daniel, it's not on the slideshow. In the book of Daniel, chapter 6, it is very interesting that Daniel, after chapter 1, he was, a, he was put in an exalted position. If you think about many people in the world, there Daniel was in the kingdom of Babylon. And later on in chapter 6, he's in the kingdom of Medo-Persia. He's one of the important officials of, these, of this kingdom. And yet we find that Daniel gets this right. Though he is busy, I mean, though he has high priorities, I mean, to be in the administration of Medo-Persian Empire, to be working for this, the superpower of the world at that time, yet it is very interesting what the Bible tells us in Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10. The Bible says, Now when Daniel knew that the writings were signed, he went into his house, and you know the story here in Daniel chapter 6. They were trying to find fault with Daniel. Daniel's um, co-workers did not like Daniel. And they wanted to get rid of him. But they tried to find everything wrong and they could find nothing wrong. His life was pure. You know why? Because he had experienced conversion every day in his life. And they tried to look for something wrong and they couldn't find anything. And finally, they conveyed to the king that the king should make a decree that no one could worship for a certain period of time and only worship the king. And look at what the Bible says. That's when it says in verse 10, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being opened in the chamber toward Jerusalem. He did what? kneeled upon his knees how many times? Three times a day and prayed and give thanks before his God as he did what? A foretime. Basically signifying that he had been doing this as his custom. Here is Daniel, an important figure, just even historically and politically. Of course, he has more meaning to us from the spiritual perspective. But as a political figure, he made sure that every day, three times a day, in the morning, in the afternoon, at noontime, and in the evening, that he spent time with God. He made it a habit. His code of conduct was to seek God first in prayer in everything that he did. And I believe that's why Daniel had so much success. I think sometimes, in, and even in my own life, I struggle so much through life, not knowing what decisions to make and so forth. It's because I haven't always sought the kingdom of God first. Sometimes I seek the kingdom of God second or third or fourth. But I should be seeking Him first at every point, specifically in the beginning and the end of the day. God wants us to seek Him first. So even though in this busy life, I think one of the most important principles that I can leave you with, if you don't remember anything else, is to do the first things first. Set your priorities straight every morning, every day. And seek the kingdom of God. With that said, if I have sought the kingdom of God in the morning, and if I've been praying throughout the day, as we saw in the earlier presentations, God wants me to reach out. So the interest, now that my personal connection with God has been made in the morning, how do I live the rest of my day? Oh, whatever duties God has given to you to do, whether it's work or what studies, whatever, be faithful in those duties. Very important. But at the same time, with that said, 
the salvation of souls should always be in the forefront as well in our minds. It is very interesting. We are told in Evangelism, page 319, salvation is not to be what? Baptized. Not to have our names upon the what? Church books. Not to do what? Preach the truth. Even what I'm doing right now is not salvation. But it is a living union with what? Jesus Christ to be renewed in the heart. This is conversion that we're talking about. Doing the works of what? Christ in faith and labor of love, in patience, meekness, and hope. Every soul to Christ will be a living what? Missionary to all around him. Again, if you read the quotations in the writings of Ellen White over and over again, the idea of personal conversion and personal witnessing are always connected. So one of the principles, if I have sought God first in my busy life, and God is real to me, I have a living union with Christ that's being renewed every day and every evening and so forth, then by the grace of God, His love and His faith is going to flow through my life and I will be witnessing to those around me. Salvation, conversion, evangelism is a lifestyle. This is not something that you add on. It's not like before I leave my house, I take my jacket and I put it on. It's not something like that. It's a transformation from the inside. It is a change. Because remember, when we looked at conversion, conversion is a character transformation. It's a change of character. And we saw that what forms character is habits. And what forms habits is action. And ha- actions are impacted by thoughts and feelings. So conversion is a lifestyle. It's a change of thoughts and feelings. Even though I may be going to work, really the work is just a means for me to meet people and that the glory of God, the character of God would be reflected in my life. So we are to remember this, that it is a lifestyle. Look at what Desire of Ages, page 142 says, God could have reached, and I mentioned this a little earlier, but here's the quotation. God could have reached His object in saving sinners without our what? He did not need us. Do you realize that? That's why to me it's beautiful, the picture of the plan of salvation. God chooses to use us. You know why? Because He knows that if He doesn't put us in the ministry or doing ministry work, even though we may have other careers and other things to do, that we ourselves will die. If we don't reach out, we will die. Guaranteed. In my own personal experience, I think one of the greatest blessings that I have, and I tell people I have one of the best jobs in the world, and that is being a Bible worker. Why? Because I am forced to reach out. Now it sounds kind of bad. Why, Philippe, why do you're forced to reach out? Because there's sometimes I don't really want to do it because it's not in my natural nature, but it is through the power of God doing this work. I love this. I love meeting people. And it's been a joy and it has kept me in the path of God. Even when I've wanted to stray, reaching out and seeing someone else in need, God would at the same time be speaking to my own heart. And so, but in order for us to develop a what? Character like Christ. In order to develop a what? Character like Christ. That's part of conversion. We must share in His work. In order to enter into His joy, the joy of seeing souls redeemed by His sacrifice, we must participate in His labors for their redemption. That is powerful. If we want to experience the joys of heaven, as we saw in Luke 15, heaven rejoices when one soul comes to Him. So what must we do? If we want to have joy, we got to participate in the joy of saving souls and watching souls to come into the kingdom of heaven. The code of conduct for us is our personal conversion and aiding and being used by God in the conversion of other souls as well. Our personal salvation is also dependent upon us sharing the work. Of course, it's still through God doing all of these things with us. So, with that understanding that conversion and evangelism is a lifestyle, 
I want to give you some principles that we can continue to add, especially as we look at the topic of on the go. One of the reasons why we have to have this mentality is because the Word of God tells us in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready. How often? How often? Always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. What is it that God wants us to always be able to answer? The hope that is within you. God wants us to be able to answer, give an answer for our faith. One of the reasons why I decided to go to a missionary school and study the Bible is because I realized when I was in high school that I did not have a living relationship with God. And when I was wanting to have that living relationship with God, I remember there was a week of prayer specifically in my senior year in high school. And I remember making standing up to the appeal. And after the appeal was made, I knew I, I gave my heart to God, but the next question was a question that was asked to me a couple hours ago by someone. And they asked me, what do I do next? How do I keep that relationship? I know I need to study the Bible. How do I study the Bible? So I went to that speaker and I says, what do I do? How do I study the Bible? And he says, it's too much for me to tell you. But you can go to this school. And so I ended up going to that training school. Because I realized that I needed to understand the Bible for myself. Growing up in the church, I didn't know. Now, you don't have to go to a Bible training school, but you need to take some time and ask God to show you what you believe. We know the seventh day is the Sabbath, but how many of us can really show it from Scripture? Or do I need to quote Doug Batchelor or John Bradshaw or Stephen Bohr? Oh yeah, you know, they say that it's the Sabbath, or my parents say it's the Sabbath. How do I know? I need to be able to prove it from the Word of God. I need to be able to give an answer for my faith. And so I said, Lord, give me an opportunity. And so that's, the Lord sent me to a missionary training school so that I could have that experience. And by the grace of God, going there, it wasn't enough. I, I learned the knowledge. I now knew how to prove, but now I had to use it. And now it has been through doing Bible work that I've had the opportunity to take the three years that I had all these class trainings to be able to put it in action. And so God likewise, for all of us, need to spend time in the Word so that we can be able to give an answer for our faith. It doesn't say only for those that are not busy, only for those that you know, don't have a full-time job. No, it's for everybody. Anyone that is experiencing the sanctifying power of the Lord in our hearts is to be able to give an answer for our faith. We're also told in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Verse 2, here Paul is addressing Timothy. He's a young man in the ministry. Paul had trained him, discipled him to work. And he says to Timothy, preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. In season and out of season. Sometimes we are only ready at certain times to give an answer or to be able to share something. But God wants us to be able to share it anytime. If someone asks you, why do you believe this? Or why are you so happy? We should be able to give an answer. And I remember, you know, even in the Gospels, Jesus says, some of you may be taken to court or to the kings or to the princes and you'll be able, you have to give an answer. But he says, you don't have to prepare what you say. Who's going to help you? The Holy Spirit. But how can the Holy Spirit help you if you don't put it in here? We have to have it stored. We may forget at some time. But God wants us to put it in our minds. And as long as we have it in our minds and we're doing our part faithfully, God will be faithful. He always has been and will be to help bring to remembrance those things. I remember even now sometimes, or actually the other Sabbath before coming here, I wasn't planning on sharing a devotional thought that, uh, that evening. We were going to have some type of a bake auction at our church. And uh, I wasn't planning on sharing a devotional thought, but someone in the afternoon said, hey, do you mind sharing something? And I hate to be last minute type of thing. I don't enjoy it. I like to prepare and so forth. And, but I've learned not to say no. I said, you know, this is an opportunity. And so I said, okay, I did. And I always 
Every time someone asks me, I always think of this text. This is the only text that kind of helps me to say yes. Because naturally I would just say no. And so I prayed and I said, Lord, you need to show me because I have no idea what I'm going to be sharing. But God is good. He wants to use us. He wants us to be always able to give an answer for our faith. So number one, conversion and evangelism is a lifestyle when we're on the go. On the go, we need to always be able to give an answer for our faith. Always be ready to give an answer. And this is the thing. If we're having an experience with God, it won't be that hard to share. If you're not having an experience, then it is hard to share. And I have noticed that when I don't have my personal devotional life and I need to share something, it's much harder because it's like I'm giving them moldy bread. How many of you give moldy bread to your, your guests that come home? No. You always have fresh. Or if we want to be giving people fresh bread, the Word of God, we need to be having fresh bread in our own experience. The third principle, always being on the go, and this has been already mentioned earlier, but it's always having an interest in every soul. So from the time you wake up to the time you go to sleep, you're going to meet all sorts of people in between. All sorts. And look at what the Bible tells us. This is talking about Jesus. He taught all to look upon themselves as endowed with precious talents, which if rightly employed would secure for them eternal riches. He weeded all vanity from life. And watch this. And by his own example taught that every moment of time is fraught with what? Eternal results. You remember when we talked about our talents, that if we don't use our talents, there could be eternal losses? Well, here we see the idea that every moment of time is contained with eternal results. Why? Because at every moment, who are you meeting? You're meeting people. You're meeting people that are hurting, people that are in need of help. So, but in order for us to make Aware, to be aware of these moments every time it hit me in this quotation that first he weeded all what from his life? Vanity. If I am busy doing vain things, do you think I'm going to have time for people? No, I may not have time for people. And so God is teaching us here that he wants us to remove the vain. That's why our personal conversion experience is so important. And by doing that, then every moment we can realize that it's opportunities for eternity. That it is to be cherished as a treasure and to be employed for holy purposes. He passed by no human being as what? Worthless. This always cuts to my heart because I know even in, a, in this big conference and even when we're doing outreach, it's so easy to pass by people and not to think anything about it. But here, he passed by, this is Jesus, our example. He passed by no human being as worthless. I want the heart of Jesus. I don't know about you. But sought to apply the saving remedy to every soul. Praise God. There's not one person that Jesus passed by even today. God looks upon, he looks upon every soul and he doesn't, oh yeah, he's not, he's not worth it. Oh, he is, he's not. No, every soul is worth something to God. And he sought to apply the saving remedies in whatever company he found himself. Whatever company we find ourselves in, whether at work or at home, whether at the grocery store, at the bank, it doesn't matter. He presented a lesson that was appropriate to the time and to the circumstance. Remember where it's in Timothy he said, in season and out of season, whatever the time frame is, God wants us to an appropriate time and teach a lesson that's appropriate to the time and to the circumstances. That's why we have to ask God to give us words in due season. What is the need for that moment? And this is the thing. Can we read people's hearts? No, but who can? Jesus. And that's why I need to be connected with Jesus. Because as I'm being connected with Jesus, what happens? I'm praying, God, I don't know what to say, but this person... Looks like they're in need, and so please help me to say the right things. And by the grace of God, their need will be met. 
he sought to inspire with the hope the most rough and the unwah, unpromised. The most what? Rough. These are probably the people that I would naturally stay away from. I don't like to stick around with the rough people and the most unpromising people. But yet those are the ones he sought to inspire with hope, setting before them assurance that they might become blameless and harmless, attaining such a character as would make them manifest as the children of God. That was, find in desire, that was found in Desire of Ages, page 91 and 92. We need to have an interest in every soul and in every person that we come in contact with. I believe those are three important principles to carry in whatever we do as we are living life on the go. I want to close this seminar by looking at one last passage in Acts chapter 8. In Acts chapter 8, we started in the book of Acts with the story of Paul. And we want to end with the story of Philip. And that's not the story of myself. But a man that we could pattern our life after because he too was filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 8. And look at what the Bible tells us in verse 26. Acts chapter 8 and verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go towards the south unto the way that goes down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. The Bible says here that what happened to Philip this one day? What happened to him? Who spoke to Philip? The what? Yeah, the angel of the Lord. God spoke to Philip. Philip heard the voice of God. What does this tell us? One of the f- important principles in our everyday life, and I'm going to keep hammering it and hammering it until it, it is ingrained in our minds. Every day, we need to do what? Hear the word of God daily. Here Philip literally heard the words of God through the angel, through the messenger. And the words were, arise and go towards this place. Philip was doing this and that and God was directing him to this specific mission. If we're going to see people on the way and reach out to people and be missionaries for God, we need to first hear the word of God daily. If you come with me to Isaiah chapter 30. Isaiah chapter 30. Look at what the Bible tells us in verse 21. Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 21. And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee saying, This is the what? This is the way. Walk ye in it when ye turn to the right hand and when ye turn to the left. It is God's word that we need to hear so that when we are in decision making when we don't even know what we're going to do that day maybe we're on vacation or whatever maybe we think we're on vacation so we're just going to have a good time but maybe there's someone somewhere that God wants us to reach and so one of the first things that God is asking us and that he longs to do is to communicate his will his word to each one of us we must hear that voice telling us walk this way or walk that way. The question God is asking us today, have you heard the voice of God today? We must learn to hear the voice of God. And today we might not audibly hear the voice. Maybe we are prompted in our conscience by God. But we know that one of the best ways to hear the voice is what? Found right here in His Word. Though they're not always audible when we listen to sermons or the audio Bible, yes, they may be. But at all times, it is God's word that He wants us to turn our ears to. And then if you come back with me to the book of Acts, look at what happens next in this story of Philip. In Acts chapter 8, look at what the Bible tells us now in verse 27 and 28. 
And he arose and went, and behold, a man of what? Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority unto Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for what? To worship. Very interesting. The Bible says here, ah, well, what is the reaction of Philip? When Philip hears, arise, get up, and go, what does he do? He gets up and goes. Can you think of another story in the Bible where God speaks to the prophet and says, Arise, go this way, and the prophet gets up and goes the opposite way? Yes, the story of Jonah. But here Philip is not like Jonah, praise the Lord. He's like Jesus. He arose and he went on this heavenly mission. The second principle that we see, it is not enough to hear the word of God every day. We must not only be hearers, but we must be doers of the word. As I've mentioned earlier, the Bible throughout mentions, even in James chapter 2, 19, that it is not only enough to believe because even the devils believe. Satan believes. He believes in God. He believes the seventh day is the Sabbath. He knows all of it. He knows the Bible more than you and I. 6,000 years. He's had these things. But we must be more than just devils that are believed. We must be believers, those that have active faith and that are doers of the Word of God. And then we find, look at what the Bible tells us, continuing on in verse 28. Was returning and sitting in his chariot, reading Isaiah the prophet. Verse 29. Then the Spirit said unto who? Philip, go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran hither and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest what thou readest? So the story starts out with him hearing the voice of God. Now he acts upon the voice of God. And then he is prompted once again. He's convicted. Don't just go. Now get in there. Go talk to him. You know, sometimes we, we are convicted. I need to talk to the person and we don't know what to do. So we get close to the person and then we, we chicken out and walk away. No, Philip goes and he talks to the eunuch. We find that what does the Spirit tell Philip to do? Verse 29. Go near and join thyself to this chariot. As we saw even in the other parables that we looked at earlier, we need to be social to save. We need to reach people where they are at, at the present time. Where was the eunuch at? He was in his chariot. Now I'm not telling you to go into the nightclubs and the bars to go reach people. But if God calls you or something happens where you find yourself there, not doing the wrong thing, but just being a, missing, being a messenger for God, only God knows. But we find here that God wants us to reach people where they're at. If we are to be on the go, sometimes God may detour us. Maybe we're on the way to some place. But all of a sudden we have a flat tire or we have this or that. I remember one of... Um, one of the representatives for GLOW, the, the ministry that produces these little Bible tracts. He came to our church a couple weeks ago and one of the interesting things that he mentioned was that not too long ago his car had been stolen and he had a bunch of GLOW tracts all over his car and finally he, he called the police and they were able to find the car and whatever. And when he goes into the car to look at his car, all he could see is all these GLOWs everywhere. They're all over the place. And it is interesting, shortly after that, the police were asking him, is everything, you know, in its place? Or are you missing anything or whatever else? And then he's like, hey, would you like one of these? And so he's, he's going to give the police officer a glow. And the, the police officer says, oh, don't worry about it. I already took some and gave it to some of the other cops. You know, God only knows. Maybe the Lord allowed that detour in, in his car to be taken away so that those cops could receive the word of God. Sometimes we don't know. Here, Philip is being directed to this eunuch. We need to get close and reach souls where they're at. Join them where they're at. 
And then look at what the Bible tells us. The other principle that I see here is that the Bible says in verse 30 that when Philip ran, he, you know, sometimes we walk to our convictions. Well, God wants us to run, to be prompt, to be earnest. Look at what he says. He heard him reading the prophet what? Isaiah. So in order for this to be recorded, that tells me that Philip was looking at the atmosphere or what was going on. He was paying attention to hints. He was looking for audible signs as we saw earlier. He was looking for what is this man going through? And what does he see? And what does he find? The man is reading Isaiah. Now how does he know that he's reading Isaiah? He heard him. So that tells me what has Philip also done in the past? He's also heard, he's also familiar with the book of Isaiah. So that goes back to point number one. We must be acquainted with the word of God. Otherwise, we won't know some of these clues. If someone is struggling with some question or something, we won't be able to answer them unless we ourselves have been somewhat familiar with it in the past. Let's continue reading on in this story. Verse 31, and he said, how can I? Oh, it's interesting. So Philip goes in, or Philip sees the man, knows that he's reading Isaiah, and, what is, and then he asks him a question. One of the best ways to get people's interest or to get them to speak to you is to ask questions. You find throughout the life of Christ, even when they were trying to persecute Christ, even his enemies, what did Jesus often do? He either answered in a question most of the time. And one of the most effective ways, even when he was trying to get the woman's attention at the, at the well, Remember the Samaritan woman? What did he do to the woman? Can you give me a drink of water? That's the question. I have found some of the call porters, one of their tricks to their trade, when, they can't, when they're at the door and they're not really interested, one of the things they ask them, hey, can I use your restroom or can I have a drink of water? And usually after they've broken in, they're in the house, they're like, wow, you have such a beautiful house. They start talking to the person. Wow, you have kids. And next thing you know, they buy books. If they had never asked, the opportunity, you have to create the opportunity at times. But again, you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so, Philip creates an opportunity. He not only looks for hints, but another principle is he creates an opportunity. Verse 31, and he said, how can I accept some man guide me? So the man's like, hey, I want to understand, but I just, I just can't understand. Have you met people that have read the Bible and they just don't understand? It happens. And he, Philip, and he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. First, Philip is where? Outside of the chariot. Now where is Philip? In the chariot. Why? Just by asking him a question, he won the confidence of the eunuch. And the eunuch must have sensed that he understood the answer. And so now he's able to address the need of the eunuch. Let's keep reading. Verse 32, the place of the scripture which he read was there. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb dumb before his shear. So opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who should declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth? Who is this talking about? This is about Jesus. This is a prophetic prophecy, messianic prophecy found there in Isaiah. And verse 34, and the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, whom speaketh the prophet this, or of himself, or of some other man? And then look at Philip's response, and this will lead us to our fifth lesson. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the what? Same scripture. He began at the same scripture. Just one second, my computer is dying. He began where? At the same scripture and preached him what? Jesus. So the fifth principle that I see here is that you reach people where they're at, whatever question that they have. But then where do you have to bring their mind to? 
all the way around or whatever, back to Jesus, the center of our faith. Always begin where the person is at, but bring out Jesus. Jesus is to be the center. He is to be woven into everything that we say. This is not something new. Jesus himself did this. Look at what the Bible tells us in Luke. Come with me to Luke chapter 24. I don't have this one on the screen, so if we can turn there. Luke 24, look at what the Bible tells us in verse 27. Luke 24, verse 27. How many of you are familiar with the, the two men on the way to Emmaus? You remember that story? This is after the crucifixion. These two disciples are very discouraged, very desperate. They don't know what to do. And all of a sudden, a a man joins them. And that's Jesus. They don't even realize it's Jesus. And look at what the Bible says in verse 27. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the what? All the scriptures, the things concerning what? Himself. And we find later on, the disciples actually say, man, our hearts burned within us. And their depression vanished away. Why? Because Jesus brought their minds. Jesus was right there in the midst of them. They didn't detect it. But he brought their minds from Moses and all the prophets and taught them about himself as it was in the Old Testament. This teaches me that whatever question you are answering... Whatever doctrine you are teaching anybody, whatever you are ever sharing to somebody, who needs to be the center? Jesus has to be the center. When you are studying the Bible and you, are, you don't know what to read, one of the things I recommend people to do is go through the Gospels. Go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Or go, and also read the Desire of Ages to help you. Go through, take small passages of scripture and just read over and over again. Don't read too much, just a couple verses. And ask simple questions. Observe the text. And then interpret the text or find the principle within the text. And finally apply it to yourself. And as you're doing this, always look for Jesus. And this challenges me because sometimes some parts of our message are a little bit more difficult or it's not apparent to see Jesus. For example, hellfire, I believe, is filled with Jesus. Even the Antichrist is filled with Jesus. But we can also present those two topics without any Jesus at all. And sometimes that's the temptation, just to tell people these things. But we don't show them the Jesus that is actually in and through all of these teachings. We should be able to even the ceremonial laws and every sanctuary message, everything in the Bible should point us back to Jesus. Jesus is to see in everything in all the scriptures. Do we see Jesus in every passage of the scripture? Well, that was exactly what Philip did with the eunuch. He took the text in Isaiah, he gathered him there, and now he shows him how Jesus fulfilled that text. And look at what was the response of the eunuch. Come back with me to Acts chapter 8 and verse 36. Acts chapter 8 verse 36. And as they went on their way. So this shows me too that it wasn't instantaneous. What happens? They talked about the Bible text. They must have had some other type of conversation. And they're on their way. Now Philip is traveling with the eunuch. And as they're on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is what? Water. It's amazing to me. First, because Philip was willing to follow wherever God calls him to, and he creates an opportunity by asking a question. He's in the the chariot, and now God creates an opportunity for the eunuch. You will often find, without a shadow of a doubt, Over and over again, after God has connected you with something, with somebody, you know what's going to happen to that person? They're going to have an opportunity to exercise their faith. Always. But this is what happens. One of the classical examples is somebody comes across the Sabbath message. And what is the first opportunity that they have? That week, what should they do? 
by faith tell their employer, I can't keep this, I can't work on Saturday anymore. I'm following God. This eunuch, God had already been working in his heart prior to Philip coming into his interaction, and God now gives him an opportunity to exercise his faith. And as soon as he sees the water, he says, Hey, Philip, what's stopping me from getting baptized? I wish there was more people like this. More like the eunuch that you're almost ready. And all we need is just to nudge them a little bit and say, Hey, this is Jesus. Jesus has died for you. He's that lamb that has been slaughtered for your sins. And they're like, Hey, let me go. I want to get baptized. Look at what the Bible continues telling us in verse 37. And Philip said, If thou believest in all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went both down into the water, and both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. What is the result when we are filled with the Holy Spirit? We listen to the commands of God. We do the work God calls us in reaching to souls. What happens to the souls? Many people will be brought into the kingdom. This is why the Acts revolution was so successful. Because individuals were, were willing to go wherever God called them to go. Wherever the Spirit led them, they listened. And here another soul was brought to the kingdom. An influential soul. Because you remember earlier, it said he was a eunuch of the great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians. So you can imagine now, when he goes back to his homeland, who now does God, who can God use now to reach the Ethiopians? This man. One man that can reach to the queen. We don't know if she ever got reached. The Bible doesn't tell us, but this shows us the power of multiplication and of discipleship. And I want to end with this point in verse 40. The Bible says, But Philip was found at where? Astos. And passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. All of a sudden, he's taken away from the eunuch and somewhere else God puts him. God takes him and puts him somewhere else. That tells me at every step of Philip's journey, he was in connection with God. He was being willing to be placed wherever, because if he didn't want to go, he didn't have to go. Does God force us to do anything? No. It's our choice to go where God wants us to go. But he chose the last principle we see here in the life of Philip and in the life of our lives when we are on the go we need to be willing to be led by the Spirit at every moment in time. Because Philip was willing, he was, went wherever God put him. Are you willing to be led by God today? Not just this weekend. Tomorrow, all of us are going to go home. Are we going to be led by the Spirit of God every day, every moment? You know what will happen if every person here in this room, every person in GYC was led by the Spirit and allowed the Acts revolution, the revolution of personal conversion and evangelism to become a reality and a lifestyle? Look at what we are told. My last and final quote. Testimonies for the Church, Volume 9, page 221. If Christians were to act in what? Concert. When you think of a concert, what do you think of? A lot of people, okay? And those that are participating in the concert, whether it's an orchestra or um, a choir or whatever it may be, how do they sound? They should all be in what? In harmony, right? They should all be united. So basically, what are we saying here? If Christians were to act in unity, in concert, together, moving forward as one, not different directions here and there, this ministry pushing this way, this conference pushing, no, 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 no. All of us moving together as one. If you think about the Acts Revolution, here's Paul doing his work in Rome and in, in the Gentile lands and Philip is being led this way and Peter is being led this way. But even though they're in different localities, they're all coming together doing the work of God and under the direction of one power for the accomplishment of one purpose, they would move what? the world. That is why in the book of Acts within one generation the gospel was spread into all the world. 
just like that was done under the early rain power, God is pouring out His Spirit today. He wants to pour out the latter rain upon God's people. Why? So that we would move the world, not with our strength, with the power of God. This is the power of the gospel. This is what God wants us to experience. But it starts with each one of us and our personal experience with God. How many of you want to say in your heart, say, yes, Lord, I want to be a part of this revolution. I want to experience you each and every day in my life. And by the grace of God, I want to work with other brothers and sisters together in one purpose, in one direction, under one power, the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish one purpose that would move the world for Jesus. Is that your desire? Praise the Lord. Let us close with this prayer. Father in heaven, thank you so much that even in this busy secular world, this world that is dark, that you are calling us under one umbrella, not under the ecumenical movement or under one man's authority, but under one spirit, your Holy Spirit, under one Savior, Jesus Christ, Father. Thank you so much that you have given us these truths. And Lord, I pray, the easiest part of GYC has been hearing these messages. The hardest part is yet to be lived. The greatest sermons are yet to be seen in each one of our lives. And I pray, Father, by the power that you alone possess, that heaven would empower us to be faithful stewards of your kingdom, that we would have this living union with your Son, Jesus Christ, and that day by day, moment by moment, that you would give us boldness to reach out to those around us, and that we would all encourage and work together in unity that this final generation would finish the work and that your character will be fully represented and that you will send your son in the clouds of glory to take us home. Bless each person that has attended these seminars and also all of GYC and bless us to this end until we meet again is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. This message was recorded by Fountain View Productions for GYC. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire and equip young people to be vibrant, Bible-based, and Christ-centered Christians. To download or purchase other resources, visit us online at gycweb.org.